0: Joining me today, Professor Paul Hopkinson, the Dean of the College of Interdisciplinary Studies at Zayed University. Welcome Professor. It's great to have you here. Um, Today, we'd like to talk a little bit more about emotional intelligence. We definitely love to hear more uh, about that from you, but let me start by asking you now, given that um, there's a lot of discussion uh, about artificial intelligence. What will the role of AI be as we see increase in the usage of artificial intelligence?
1: Yeah, thank you very much. And, and thank you very much for inviting me along uh, this afternoon for this for this podcast. So I, I think it's probably important to stress upfront that emotional intelligence is critical um, in any context. And I, I think there's been a lot of evidence in recent years to demonstrate just how how important that is. And I was looking at an article actually, just before we we came on today, from Harvard Business Review, which neatly summarised some of the the key findings that have been emphasised around emotional intelligence. The fact that it helps to make better decisions for people at work, that it's more helpful in predicting team success. Um, and there's also a, an, art, an article that was a report that was done by Google, a ten-year study. Called Project Oxygen that actually showed that emotional intelligence was more in su- more important to people's success as a manager than IQ. Um, so there's plenty of evidence to say it's important. And as you you rightly point out at the beginning, what we're seeing now is because of the impact of technology, particularly, uh, emotional intelligence becoming increasingly important. And The argument tends to boil down to two things, really. One is this idea that as technology begins to take hold, more of the routine, the mundane tasks that we have to do, the manual tasks, if you like, will uh, gradually be replaced by AI and machines, and then humans will have more time to focus on the emotional uh, and soft skills aspects, such as communication, team building, and so on. So you'd expect to see emotional intelligence begin to become more important for those for, um, as, as part of the labor force as, as we, we move forward. But I think the reality is a little bit more nuanced. And it's interesting to see um, there were some estimates a few years back, a couple of years back by the OECD that said that something like 1.1 million jobs, billion jobs, sorry, were going to be displaced by technology. And then a subsequent report by the WF that said, well, between now and 2025, 85 million jobs would be displaced. However, an an additional 97 million jobs would be created as a result of humans and technology working together. And I think the kind of more nuanced picture is that what we will see is technology being used to augment some of the skills we have as humans, as as a, a member of the labor force. And gradually what we'll start to see is as finding ways to use that technology to improve aspects of things like emotional intelligence. And it's it's, interestingly, it's interesting to, to reflect on the impact of chat GPT, which is very much front of mind with everybody at the moment. Um, but I was reading a, an article that was talking about how some aspects of Salesforce automation and using it technology as part of, or conversational AI as part of the sales process, Could improve or help support the emotional intelligence of of salespeople. So by actually analyzing conversations and looking at how people are responding to certain situations, the the salesperson can be given prompts, for example, to help them adapt um, their approach to particular responses and perhaps deal with certain kinds of objections that you might get during the sales process.
0: So can we say that artificial intelligence in a way can help human become more emotionally intelligent
1: i think there's there is some value in, in that argument i, I think it, it it helps us to become more responsive perhaps in the moment so using that analytical data that's based on conversational patterns we can begin to become more uh, become more responsive we can read emotions better we can uh, effectively read the room, although in the, in the context, obviously, of, <laughs> of a, a virtual encounter. But yes, I would say that it does. It does have that potential.
0: What about now? I mean, we're preparing for the future. What could be the role of educational institutes to help people become more emotionally intelligent?
1: It's interesting to reflect on where emotional intelligence and emotional labor fits in what we do in, in, in education institutions. And, and I think we, we've perhaps got to look at where we've come from and where we got to. I think in, in recent years, there's been a lot more emphasis on soft skills, a lot more emphasis on the ability of uh, universities and, and higher education and further education to focus on some of the softer skills. Um, and there's, there's some recent work done by the WF, the World Economic Forum, looking at education 4.0, and they broke down a set of skills that they they ideally wanted to see schools focusing on for the future, which include the obvious things like creative and critical thinking, communication, and so on. So those things are coming to the fore. Um, I think there's a danger that sometimes they're viewed as a bit of an add-on. Um, so there might be a supplementary transcript that's offered as part of your education experience or or you you do a a cpd type module a continuing professional development module where you develop those soft skills alongside your core teaching you know so you're developing the technical skills and the knowledge but then some of those soft skills are kind of a bolt-on if you like so where we i think where we're getting to and you've seen this in um, a number of think tanks recently, and you've th- seen it with more I- education institutions moving in this direction, is to try and see how we can embed those skills at the very core of what we do in education institutions. And I would include uh, ZU in that. We, we've we been doing a lot of work in this particular area, excuse me, particularly with our interdisciplinary programs where our foundational year is built on essentially four sets of skills, which are around creative and critical thinking, around uh, effective communication, and around effective interaction. Those, if you like, are the four foundational skills that we look to build. Um, those, are, those are our foundational courses that we offer in our first year. And then as you grow through the program, you build on those skills and you develop them further and you use those skills to apply as a set of lenses if you like to solve problems and to to work with external partners as part of our partnership challenges or to solve problems in the labs and in classrooms. So I would say that we and and it's true and we'll probably come on to this a bit later when when we look at where emotional intelligence is is positioned as part in the workplace um, hasn't always been at the center of everything. And I think, you know, it's increasingly recognized that it's important, but as as technology takes hold and as we see the impacts of things like the pandemic, we need to put emotional intelligence at the center of what we do and embed it into our programs much more formally.
0: How, how are people receiving it? How are institutions actually, a better word than people, how are institutions receiving it? Is this a, a wide world opinion or there are conflicting opinions when it comes to Incorporating emotional intelligence in education,
1: etc. I think in in any change process, there there are going to be leaders and laggards laggards in the process. I guess um, you're seeing, and a lot of it's driven by changes from the employer side, also from government side, recognizing the importance of building these these skills. I mean, if you if you read consultants reports from the likes so of McKinsey. If you read uh, the sort of think tank reports from people like the World Economic Forum, soft skills, the ability to build the emotional labour, emotional intelligence, alongside technical skills, absolutely emphasised very clearly in, in those reports. Um, education is beginning gradually to to adopt those more centrally to what we do. I think that there is a challenge between. Traditional discipline-based education and a more interdisciplinary approach, for example, that we we are pioneering in in, in Zayed University. So, to put those skills uh, centre stage as part of the program, uh, alongside also in, encouraging students to work across different disciplines to solve problems, is is very much something. We need to be doing this as a society, and you've seen this called for by governments in uh, you know the world over, and uh, um, research funding bodies, and so on, um, and educational programs are having to move in that direction. But inevitably, there's an educational process that needs to take place with stakeholders, uh, not just within the institutions themselves, but within the marketplace and employers, and so on.
0: And that brings me to the other question is that there is always this discussion that Generation um, Z is very focused on emotional intelligence and change, et cetera, et cetera. How are they influential, actually, um, if they are at all,
1: uh, within the current job market? It's, it's interesting. I, I was reading um, an article uh, talking about the state of the heart globally. I study. I don't know if you've come across this, which is a annual study that's been been done for the last 10 years, looking at emo- emotional intelligence across different generational grou- groupings and doing comparison between them. Um, and they refer to Gen Z particularly as the lost generation. I don't, they're not the first, I know, to to, to use this expression. Um, but primarily, they were talking about the impacts of the pandemic and looking at how the level of connectedness, the level of emotional intelligence amongst Gen Z had actually tailed off. So they'd saw a 21% decline, for example, in their um, ability to handle emotions and a 15% decline in their sensation of feeling connected. So although we tend to think of of Generation Z as being very pro and very in need of uh, emotion intelligence, what we see is a, a disconnectedness there. And it's not helped by the fact that also we see a disconnectedness amongst leadership, because in, in the leadership generation, typically the boomers and the Generation Z, what you see is, is a more self-orientated, self-focused set mindset. Um, you know, they tend to be focusing more on themselves than necessarily the needs of others or uh, wanting to do things on their own rather than engaging others. So what you see is a challenge there in in terms of making sure that we we bring gen z into the fold and educate them about the importance of emotional intelligence but but we need to coach and mentor them through that process but we we need to start with the leaders themselves because i think the leaders there's a disconnect between the leaders and their emotional intelligence and um the needs of generation z so to answer your question i think you know the recognition is there that 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 emotional intelligence is critical for that generation because they're going to be the future leaders. They're the ones that need, and we know that leadership is an emotionally laden role. Um, we need to make sure that they're, they're going to be inte- emotionally intelligent for the future, but, but we, we need to, to work hard to achieve that through our educational systems and through the mentoring and support we give through in, in the workplace.
0: All right. I do want to thank you very much. And I do want to wrap up this interview by asking you a final question. Um, you tapped on it uh, in your answer, but how can we incorporate Generation Z when actually boomers and millennials are disconnected from their own emotions? It, it seems like there is a whole, I mean, there is a whole disconnection in general on how people process this, their emotions. How can we incorporate a generation when this is actually a pattern that is going on?
1: So I, I think it, it as I touched on a little bit at the end, I, th- I think it's we need to start with the leaders themselves and, and improve, improving the emotional intelligence amongst the leadership in in organisations. And I think I was reading some interesting statistics, which suggest about fifty fifty four percent of uh, leaders felt that they do not put enough attention on the emotional intelligence during the hiring process. So we need to make sure that we, when we're hiring leaders and we're um, bringing those leaders on board, so when we're um, onboarding them, we, we, we also need to ensure that we're, we're emphasizing the importance of these emotional skills in, as part of their leadership. Um, I read about the uh, what they call the three R's. <laughs> it was in a an higher ed article. Um, the three R's of emotional intelligence. It's it's to do with recognizing and being self-aware, um, reading your environment, and then also responding appropriately in in to certain situations. And I think if if we can try to ensure that we got those kinds of skills amongst the leadership, then then that will help in terms of bringing some of the the Gen Z. Uh, on board. I think we we suffered from the impacts of the pandemic because a lot of Gen Z were isolated. They were working remotely um, during that, that particular period of time and weren't necessarily being onboarded in the, in the same way as we might have done in the past. So I think we've got a bit of catching up to do, to do there as well.
0: Thank you very much, Professor Paul, for your time. Is there anything else you would like to add on this topic?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's one other thing I would say, um, and, and which is to do with the kind of upskilling and reskilling. Uh, so we, we talk a lot about the impact of automation and technology and how that's going to impact on the technical skills that, that we'll need for the future. And all the evidence that we've seen up to now has, has been saying that, companies are not perhaps putting enough attention towards upskilling and reskilling their existing workforces, they're preferring to to hire in new talent. So there needs to be more emphasis on the, the upskilling and reskilling for the future. But I think as well as the technical skills, as well as the kind of specialist digital skills that we talk so much about in terms of our, um, in, in terms of skills gaps, we also need to think about some of these emotional skills as well and make sure that we're paying as much attention to developing those emotional skills amongst staff as we are um, to, 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 to focusing on these technical skills. Great. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you. No, it was, it was enjoyable. Thank you very much.